Welcome into the Scout and the Sports Page. I'm the host, Paige Demakos, here in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, and my co-host is hanging out in San Diego. That's where he lives and hangs out. That's Gary Horton, and San Diego is beautiful as always. Gary, how are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, Paige. It's, uh, actually, I saw a cloud this morning, so San Diego is not perfect. It's not perfect. One cloud in San Diego. It sounds like a, sounds like a really rough life you have going on there, Gary. Uh, <laughs> just a couple quick thoughts. Let's get in. We're going to do uh, our four best matchups of the week on Wednesdays, which uh, I'm really excited to start doing. There's always good matchups in the NFL, and then there's my toilet bowl matchups as well. But we're not going to get into those. We're going to give you the four best matchups each week some fantasy implications, the X factors, key matchups in the game. But just your overall thoughts on on this week going forward, and then we'll get into the first game, which is New England and New Orleans. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I, as I thought about this, you know, after I've had a chance to watch some film, you know, I'm anxious to see Tampa Bay in Miami. You know, we didn't get to see him in week one. I want to see Jay Cutler. You know, I want to see Jameis Winston. I want to see her, these guys. You know, the real deal. Houston, Cincinnati, Thursday night, quick turnaround. Two teams, I think, that could be in real trouble, especially if they go to 0-2. Arizona and Indianapolis, and you know this very well, Paige. You know, David Johnson's out, Andrew Luck's out. These teams are holding on by a thread. Can they hang in there until they get their guys back? Uh, I love the matchup Tennessee offensive line versus the Jacksonville defensive front seven that dominated last week. I think they're really good. I see two stinker games. You call them your toilet bowl. How in the world is San Francisco going to go to Seattle and be competitive against a team that's really in a bad mood? And the same with the New York Jets at Oakland. I look at that as two games that I hope it's they're competitive, but I'm not sure. Kansas City, are they for real? You know, I think we'll know more this week. And the Giants' offense, I think, is in trouble. It's just so easy to defend. I watched some film on it. They're just very, very predictable. And then overall, Paige, I think we'll see, as we said on, on Monday's podcast, much better play uh, this week than now teams have a, a game under their belt. But what really stood out to me is how poor the offensive line play was in week one. You know, you can't substitute – you know, uh, practices for game situations. And offensive lines, it takes longer to gel. And I think they'll get better this week. Defenses played well in week one, but defense is reactionary. You can line up and just go to the football and, and react. So I think that was the takeaway I had in the big picture. Offensive lines were not playing very well. Defenses played better but I think they'll both be good in week two. Yeah, the so those off- are just some quick thoughts. Yeah, the offensive uh, lines in a lot of games were very poor. The Giants, the Seahawks, I think two teams that I'm really high on had really rough weeks as far as their offensive line go. And defenses, like you said, it's a little bit easier to gel when you're just reacting to what the offense is doing. These offensive lines, I think, are going to get better. The Seahawks' offensive line is just not very good, and I don't know. They're going to have to fix that. I know Pete Carroll came out and said – for the first time, I've really heard him take a shot at his offensive line, and I think it's because he knows that this team has to has to get it together and fast if they're going to be the caliber of team that they want to be. But let's get into this first matchup in a team that is trying to come back from a very, very tough loss at home, and that's the New England Patriots. 
They were the – everybody was picking them to win the Super Bowl. Now, any year that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are together is a good year to pick the Patriots. But this year was different. It seemed like cohesively – I mean, it was across the board. Nobody was saying – pretty much nobody has a chance against this New England team. And you and I have similar concerns. That defense did not look very good, and the offense they're playing this week is not an easy offense to game plan against, and that's the New Orleans Saints. Both teams 0-1, both teams trying to bounce back. What do you see from this game this weekend? Well, I, I, I think, as you mentioned, the Pats did not make adjustments. They looked out of sync. They did not look like a team that was ready to play. And when's the last time you saw a Bill Belichick team that looked unprepared, but they certainly, you know, seem that way. I think their biggest problem, Paige, as I look at the keys to this game, they've got to fix their this defensive front seven. We knew the edge rush wasn't very good. We knew that they were going to have to depend on coverages on the back end, which weren't great, by the way, uh, versus the Chiefs. The pass rush was lousy, but where I was really disappointed was their run defense also. They gave up a lot of yards to a rookie running back hunt. Uh, I, I just think that front seven has got a lot of things to fix, and I'm not sure uh, they can get it done in a quick time. Is it finally going to catch up to them? Because they've had guys, I think of Chandler Jones, some of their, their very, very elite pass rush guys that they've let go in off seasons or were not willing to pay. Is it going to catch up to them a little bit this season when they don't necessarily have that guy who's going to go out and get you what you need as far as a defensive front? Oh, I, I think that's absolutely right, Paige, because you know they, they are kind of a team that just plugs in players and give us 20 snaps of doing this. And I think that they have not put a premium on those edge pass rushers because they preach team defense. We'll get it from everybody. But when you look at the Saints this week, they have 25 to 30 personnel groupings on offense. That puts a lot of pressure on a defense in terms of adjustments and what to prepare for. And I think a big thing to look for in this game will be can the Patriots adjust to what Drew Brees puts out there in terms of personnel groupings, or are we going to see what we saw in Kansas City where they got in terrible matchups that they had no chance to win? When you look from the Saints' perspective, what is a key to this game for them to get a win against a New England team who we know is going to be out there for blood because they had a very rough first game? Well, I think they've got to improve their pass defense. Uh, For some reason, I love this pass defense in the preseason. I bought into the hype that they were a much-improved defense, but they did not look uh, really good against Sam Bradford. He, He threw a lot of deep balls on them, which I thought that they would really prevent. I mean, you know, they they play a lot of three safety packages. They didn't have a lot of pressure. Uh, Their communication wasn't very good. You know, you're going against Tom Brady, who's not in a very good mood right now. He's going to try to spread them out. And I think he will try to take advantage of their three safety package. If he can get his receivers on a safety, I think that's a matchup that he can win. But they just have to be really smart and play solid defense and not give up the big, deep plays because Brady did go – to some deep balls last week. 
Yeah, but it looked unlike their usual offense. They're usually, I'm thinking about those Edelman routes of across the middle of the field where they're usually those shorter passes that Edelman makes into a longer drive, that those slant routes that just weren't there. And it doesn't seem like Brandon Cooks and Tom Brady are on the same page yet. But it's always good for Tom Brady and company to get back together when you on this defense because this defense looked poor against a Minnesota Vikings offense that doesn't have Tom Brady as their quarterback. So when I look yeah. at the best matchup this week, I think it's Tom Brady and Tom Brady versus the Saints defense. So what's your key matchup to watch this week? Well, a guy that I really like that I think is underrated is A.J. Klein. He's their linebacker. He's a free agent they brought, I believe, from Carolina. He's the guy that I thought they didn't look like it necessarily last week, but I thought really solidified them in terms of uh, communication. He gets everybody lines up. Uh, He reads the offense. He makes sure they're in the right front and the right coverage. And I think that's going to be critical this week versus Tom Brady, who, as you know, is a magician at the line of scrimmage. He will look around. He'll try to find the matchup he likes. And Klein has got to get this defense, like I said, in the right coverage and the right scheme, because if they don't, Brady will pick them apart. So I think it's a little bit of a chess match between two really smart players, and and, and neither one of them was great in this area in week one. Week two, I expect it to be different. Yeah, I expect both guys to really show out, but when I'm choosing teams, I'm always team Tom Brady. Now, when we look at the X Factor, you and I, you sent me some notes to look at, and you and I both have the same guy, and that's Chris Hogan. Because of Edelman being out and Amendola being a guy that's hurt, Chris Hogan is a guy who I've heard a lot about. They keep trying to, I know my producer here that's sitting with us, what is Chris Hogan? Because I hear about it all the time. He's a running back, he's a wide receiver. Where is, I think, a decision needs to be made for him from Belichick as to what he's going to try and make this guy into because that backfield has about five different guys that they're slotting in, and they need a wide receiver like a guy like Chris Hogan to step up and be that Edelman type of guy. Yeah, and I think you can see that the slot position is a real problem right now. As we mentioned a minute ago, you know, Brady all of a sudden went to deeper routes in week one because he didn't have that slot guy. Slow developing routes, that's not their style. They have to get production out of the slot position. I think Hogan is a guy that fits. He can get yards after catch. But Tom Brady needs that guy running crossing routes, uh, little curl routes inside, uh, that he can go off a three- and five-step drops. And until they have a legitimate slot receiver, they're going to really suffer offensively, and they cannot win with an outside vertical passing game. That's not who they are. No, that's never been who they are, and I think it's they're confused offensively, and I think Edelman is a lot bigger of, a, of an issue for this team than people are willing to make it out to be. But we'll give our last thought here, a fantasy football guy to pay attention to. Who are you paying attention to this week and from a fantasy perspective? Well, a guy that I really like, I mean, you're always going to like the, you know, the Givens, Breeze and and Brady. I think the running backs for New England, it's too early because they're going to divide carries. So who do you play? I mean, you don't know who's going to be hot one week, who's going to be hot the next. The same for the Saints with the running game. I don't think there's anybody you can lean on. But I really like Kobe Fleener for the Saints. 
you know, Drew Brees wants to establish the seam route. He had that with Brandon Cooks. He hasn't had it yet, but Fleener is a good seam route guy. I think he'll really test uh, the safeties this week for New England. So he's a guy that I think is uh, is, is kind of sneaky. But I don't know that we have a great feel from a fantasy perspective on either one of these teams right now because we just didn't see it in week one. Somebody's going to emerge on both teams, but I'm not sure who it is yet. Yeah, I think the obvious ones here, obviously, you always start Tom Brady, you always start Drew Brees. They're both fantasy football and great quarterbacks. Tom Brady will bounce back this week from a fantasy perspective. I know if you you went out and got him and spent a little bit too much, you're probably frustrated, but it's Tom Brady. Don't worry, he will bounce back and have a good week. Second, yeah, ma- let, let me let me add one thing. Gronk could actually have a breakout week because again, he's probably going to be covered by a safety in the Saints defense because, as, as we've said, they play three safeties. That's a matchup that he can probably win. So if he gets that, look for maybe more production from him also. Yeah, the second matchup that we're going into this week, a team that I was really impressed with, and that's the Minnesota Vikings, and a team that I thought was a little lackluster in moments, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. In previous podcasts, I've talked about how I really, really like the Pittsburgh Steelers this year to challenge the New England Patriots. They had some trouble with the Cleveland Browns, and it was it was quite a struggle to watch them play that game. And if Antonio Brown's not playing, they're not winning that football game. You could tell that Ben was really, really looking at him. Le'Veon Bell had some struggles. You could tell he's a little rusty after he set off for the entire preseason. When you look at this matchup, what are your keys to the game from both sides? Well, I, I think both offenses need to run to keep the other offense on the sidelines. Now, we, we know that Pittsburgh has an explosive offense. They've got a great passing game. We didn't know how good Minnesota was. At least in game one, all of a sudden their passing game came to life. So we're dealing with two hot quarterbacks right now that can really get on a streak in the passing game. I think what neutralizes that, you run the football, you control the clock. Both teams have excellent running backs. They've got underrated offensive lines. We, we know the Steelers' offensive line is great, uh, and Minnesota played much better than I thought. So I think that's probably the key. If Bell and Cooks control the ball on the ground, open things up for the passing game, then I think that's a good thing. And the more you can keep that opposing quarterback on the sidelines, the better chance you have. Yeah, I can't believe we're talking about Minnesota as an explosive offense, but wow, they looked very, very good. Now, I know it was a Saints defense who I'm not very high on, but overall, Sam Bradford was very impressive in that first start, and I think another year in that offense. And Dalvin Cook, as a rookie running back, was also very impressive. One of the guys that was talked about, but when you have Leonard Fournette kind of taking a lot of the limelight in that class that's come out in Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook had a, I would say, a more under-the-radar week where he was very, very impressive for Minnesota. Absolutely. I mean, he he looks like the real deal, and I think he'll only get better. And this offensive line, give him credit. We didn't think they were very good, but they, at least for this one, one night, they looked pretty good and much improved. Yeah, I think a lot of what I'm going to be watching here is what does Minnesota come back and play on the road against Pittsburgh because you saw that atmosphere in Minnesota at U.S. Bank Stadium is electric. It's a very, very good home atmosphere, and I will be interested to see what they do when they go to Pittsburgh and play on the road because if they're going to challenge Green Bay, they're going to have to be able to go on the road and win some of these games. Now, when you look at this key matchup, 
We're always watching Antonio Brown. So who are you watching to follow Antonio Brown, and what is your favorite matchup in this game? Well, it depends on, on whether they let uh, Xavier Rhodes cover him. Uh, sometimes Zimmer will let Rhodes cover the number one receiver all over the field. Other times they'll just sit back and play sides. Uh, I, I think in this game, because Brown is so terrific, I think they'll line up Rhodes on him, and, and that's a matchup that will be fun to watch if he follows him all over the field because Brown's key is he is so good on short routes and then yards after catch. I mean, this guy is explosive, but Rhodes is a physical corner. He can play press and man, which I think both defenses are going to blitz more and play a lot of man coverages than we've seen in the past. So I think that will be very interesting if, if they do it that way. And will Pittsburgh move Brown around the formation to get away from Rhodes? if they decide to cover him, you know, man-to-man all over the field. Yeah, Antonio Brown is one of the, uh, when I watch football, one of the guys I like to watch the most. And when I go back and watch film, he's just so impressive. What he did last week, some of the catches he was making. I know Old Beckham Jr. gets a lot of love for what he does, but Antonio Brown, that offense is not the same without that guy. He is very, very impressive. So I'll be watching that matchup. It doesn't matter who you put on Antonio Brown. I think he's always going to get what he needs to get but it will be interesting to see if they can kind of stifle what he does and maybe they feature Martavis Bryant and some of their other guys instead of Antonio Brown. Now, X-Factor. We're always going to give you our X-Factor of the game. Gary, who is your X-Factor in this game? I like the tight end Jesse James uh, for Pittsburgh. It looks like Ben Roethlisberger is starting to really trust him. He's a good intermediate guy. He's going to get... Nice matchups by probably a safety or a linebacker. And I thought in week one, he really looked good. Remember, you know, Pittsburgh traded for, I believe, McDonald, the tight end from San Francisco. And that kind of showed the tight ends on this Pittsburgh roster, hey, nobody's safe here. We're not happy enough with our tight end play. And obviously, Jesse James got the message because he played very well in week one. He looks to me like a guy that says, nobody's taking my job away. You know, I'm going to keep it. So I believe that it'll be uh, uh, very interesting to see if he can have some production, especially in the red zone. Gary, who do you like from a fantasy perspective? Uh, there's a lot to like here for me, but who who do you like? And then I'll give you what I like going into this matchup from a fantasy-wise. Well, who would have ever said it? But when I looked at it, I said, you know what? Minnesota has more interesting fantasy guys, at least right now, than Pittsburgh does. I mean, we know Antonio Brown. We know Le'Veon Bell. We talked about Jesse James as kind of a little bit of a sleeper. I don't know who their receivers are yet beyond Antonio Brown. And Big Ben is going to put up his numbers. But now you go to the other side, all of a sudden, Sam Bradford is throwing a great deep ball, something that this offense has not had, and yet he really throws a nice deep ball. They just never let him because their offensive line couldn't hold up in seven-step drops. So I think all of a sudden Bradford is playing with confidence. you got to like Cook. I don't think he's a one-game deal. He's for real. And I like Thielen and Diggs all of a sudden has emerged. Where did he come from? And then Rudolph is going to be a solid guy at tight end. 
So they have four, three or four guys that you have to sort out. But I would, I would probably say, you know, Bradford, Cook, and maybe Diggs. Yep, I, I I found it very interesting that ESPN Standard Scoring League. I looked at how much Bradford, what the percentage was of leagues that Bradford was owned in. It was something like thirty two percent or something, and it's much much higher. This morning I looked at it was about seventy percent. So I don't know if it's an overreaction, but if he has another big week this week, he could be one of those guys that when you had maybe a Carson Palmer or you're a guy who has Andrew Luck and you're waiting on him to come back. You feel pretty good about starting Sam Bradford. So I'm paying attention to Sam Bradford and Dalvin Cook. I'm in love with all the rookies and what they've been doing thus far. I want to see it on a consistent basis. I'm not going to overreact to week one because it's always nobody has film on you in an NFL game yet. So now let's see how teams adjust to these guys as the weeks go on. But I am watching Dalvin Cook very closely because I think he's going to be very good in this league. I absolutely agree with you. All right, next game, next matchup. The Dallas Cowboys, who surprised the New York Giants, played a very, very good football team, a very, very good game. And that offensive line was very good, very good. And Ezekiel Elliott looked like he wasn't going to take a step back at all this year. The Denver Broncos, wow, what in a unbelievable atmosphere it looked like at Mile High Stadium in, uh, or Sports Authority Field, I should say, now even though there isn't a Sports Authority left. Very interesting that they keep the name. Uh, I liked both of these teams. I thought the Chargers had the opportunity to win that game against Dan- against Denver, but Dallas showed out against the New York Giants. So what are your keys to, to the game for both of these teams going forward? Well, I think it becomes a much more interesting game, as you said, because Denver played better than we probably thought, especially at the quarterback position. But I think it, it, it sounds very simple, but both quarterbacks have to play clean games. You know, these are really good teams. Turnovers is a big deal. Uh, both quarterbacks appear to be in command of the offense. So I just think that uh, Prescott and Simeon, they've got to play really smart football, do more than manage the game, but just not make mistakes. Let their running games be really good and, because I think this is going to be a close game that could be won or lost by turnovers or mistakes. And that puts pressure on these guys to play really smart. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to watch how Dallas performs on the road, especially in Denver, because they did look very good offensive. They they looked, I would say, in the first half I liked what they did, and then offensively in the second half they didn't get much production as far as points, putting points on the board. Now, it's a different atmosphere when you're at home and in much different you know, when you go on the road and play Denver defense. For this team – Wow, they start against the they start against the Giants defense. Now they're playing the Broncos defense. Then they come to Arizona. So tough a tough start for them with those three guys. If they can end up two and one with two of those games on the road, I think the Dallas Cowboys are sitting very pretty. Yeah, I, I really do too. And I, and I think that that uh, Denver's big challenge this week. They did a nice job last week, but their run defense they were really poor in run defense last year. As good as their as good as their overall defense was, and as I said, they they handled Gordon pretty well from San Diego, but Elliott and this offensive line for Dallas, that's a different animal, and they're going to try to control the ball on the ground. The inside linebackers a year ago really played poorly versus the run. They've got to step up and, and do a, a really nice job in filling in those inside gaps. Now, having said that, Paige. Dallas may come out, uh, little birdie told me this, 
They may come out with more three wide receiver sets, force Denver into their dime defense, which is six DBs, and they love to play that. But the disadvantage is if you're playing a dime defense with six DBs, that means you're a little softer versus the run, and that's really a recipe for success for this Dallas offensive line, to get in space, get on the second level, block smaller guys. So I think that's something to really watch early in this game. Does Dallas spread them out with the idea that we want to run against softer defenses? Yeah, they were 28th overall against the run last year. That's not going to not going to cut it when you want to be a team that is going to, you know, not only make a push in this division but be a playoff team. You got to be better than that against the run and we all know what Ezekiel Elliott can do. I love when a little birdie drops knowledge on the podcast. That was <laughs> I, I love the little birdies dropping the knowledge. All right, key, key matchup this week when you're watching this game. Uh, Von Miller, we love. What are you looking for from Von Miller? Well, I, I think he was frustrated Monday night because, as most teams are going to do, they're going to double-team him, triple-team him. They're, they're going to try to neutralize him as a pass rusher, and I don't believe he had a sack. He didn't have a lot of pressures. So I think what this coaching staff is probably going to start moving him around, trying to isolate him on one-on-one matchups. So he can play on either side. Uh, The Dallas tackles are really good. You know, they're good in pass pro. They handle pass rushers. It'll be interesting to see if they try to double him or if they try or if they leave just leave him alone on an island. And, you know, will he stay on one side? Will he rush from the inside at times? Or will he move all around? But I think that's a great matchup because. They need his productivity as a pass rusher. Yeah, Von. Oh, absolutely. Von Miller has to be MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller, if they want to be successful this season because their offense is going to be better than I think we expected, but their defense needs to be elite to keep up in that. Raiders, Chiefs, <laughs> even with the Chargers this year, as overall they had a tough time in that first game. So when you look at X factors, give us your X factor in this game. The guy you're picking, I know who it is, and he had a magnificent game uh, in his first game against the Giants. Yeah, you know, that's Dallas linebacker Sean Lee. He's all over the field. He's everything that they thought he would be. I have liked this guy for years, but he really seems to be settling in. He's running this defense. You know, what I love, I love his range. This guy can go sideline to sideline. He's a a terrific coverage guy on underneath passing games. And I think that, you know, his eight tackles and one tackle for loss last week tells you how active he is. So I think he's going to be a huge factor, especially if Denver tries to throw the ball underneath where he can close and tackle. Yeah, he had a very, very good game. He's one of those guys who I think works very hard and has come kind of that Dallas defense doesn't get talked a lot about because they talk a lot about the offense, but he had a magnificent game, very very fun to watch. Lastly, with this matchup, fantasy-wise, who are you paying attention to this week? Well, on Dallas, I think obviously Elliott. I think he has a chance to have a good game. And Jason Witten, I believe that, that – uh, Prescott is going to start really leaning on Witten as his safety valve. He's great on the underneath routes, either over the middle or a short out route. So 
those are the two guys that I think will be really good. I don't think Prescott will put up big numbers because that's not what they do. Uh, the other receivers, I just don't know. Des Bryant, you know, uh, I, I just don't know how often they're going to get him the ball because the strength of this Denver defense is their secondary. They match up very well in man-to-man schemes. So it's going to be difficult uh, for, for these receivers from Dallas to have big days. For Denver, I think it's one of those deals where the running game looked a lot better, but it's, it's kind of a shared production with Anderson and Charles. The receivers, again, I think they share production. I don't know that anybody is going to really stand out. And, and their quarterback, I like him, but I don't think he's going to put up big numbers versus this Dallas uh, uh, defense. So I don't know that I see anybody on Denver's offense as well as they played that really excites me from a fantasy standpoint. It's just a little early to until we figure out what's their philosophy going to be, who are their go-to guys. Yeah, that's mostly why I'm watching Denver, just to pay attention to the Demarius Thomas, C.J. Anderson, see who is going to be Emmanuel Sanders, who's going to be their guy that you can count on from a week-to-week basis, because I think right now with Trevor Simeon, now he's done enough, he's going to be the guy there, who is going to be who he feels most comfortable with and what is going to be their offensive identity. And when you look at Dallas, I know that Des Bryant is a guy that people are expecting to be the guy he was with Tony Romo, and I just don't think from a fantasy perspective he's ever going to get to put up those numbers because that's not what Dak Prescott and now with Ezekiel Elliott, that's not their offensive identity. Not saying that Des Bryant is not a great wide receiver, it's just not what they're doing as an offense any longer. And I, I'm waiting and seeing if I'm ready to say that full-blown. But last season, he definitely wasn't the guy. And this year, thus far, with that first game, he wasn't in that prime wide receiver elite category status anymore because they just don't give the ball to him. So that's what yeah, I'm going to watch and, out and, for. And it, and it looks like that Prescott has replaced Bryant with Witten exactly. as his favorite guy. Exactly. Because and maybe, maybe Beasley. You don't ever count him out there, little slot guy. Yeah, they, he likes going to Witten, Beasley, and Ezekiel Elliott, and it looks like Des Bryant's kind of on the outside looking in when it comes from a fantasy perspective. Now, the last game we're going to get into, that's Sunday Night Football. That is the NFC Championship rematch, and that is Green Bay and Atlanta. Green Bay, a lot to like in the second half of that game. They tired out a very, very good Seattle Seahawks defense. And they're, what I most liked about Green Bay in week one was defensively they did a lot more than I was expecting. Atlanta should have lost the game to Chicago if any of the wide receivers or running backs had caught a pass that Mike Glennon put on the money in the last two minutes. But they escaped with a victory on the road, and both teams are 1-0. So what do you look at from both of these teams as matchups and keys to victory this week? Well, I, I think the Green Bay offensive line has to have a, a, a big game. Uh, you know, this is the Packer receivers don't separate very well. That forces Rodgers to hold on to the ball, and that in, increases the pressure of the offensive line to hold their blocks because it takes time for these guys to get open. Rodgers is also a guy that likes to extend the play with his feet. So instead of holding for three or four seconds, you've got to really – Stay with your blocks. You've got to concentrate. I think against Atlanta, there's plays to be made if the offensive line, you know, can hold those blocks and pass pro and give Rodgers time to let his receivers separate and also 
find the matchups uh, that he likes. I think another factor here, will the Falcons going to, are they going to play their dime packages? Now, we think of them as a cover three secondary for the most part, but they're starting to play more man schemes as they get more comfortable. And they have a nice, interesting package where they play four corners and two safeties. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they match up against a Green Bay offense that will probably try to spread them out. So they're going to be in sub-packages all day. Uh, Aaron Rodgers loves it when he gets man-to-man coverage because nobody's better at the line of scrimmage on identifying the matchup. And you can do that when defenses are playing man. So that'll be fascinating. And then I think, Paige, both defenses, you've got to be aware of side adjust. Both of these quarterbacks, uh, you know, Ryan and Rodgers, are great when the play starts to break down of side adjusting, and they have to have their receivers see the same thing. When the play breaks down, you've got to break off your route. You've got to go to a spot. You've got to be on the same page with your quarterback. And that will be very interesting in this game because both quarterbacks will improvise a little bit if the original play isn't there. And if the receivers are on the same page, that's when you make big plays, especially when you think of uh, Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson on a lot of broken plays. Yeah, both of these quarterbacks are very good, very talented, and a lot of fun to watch. When you look at this game specifically, though, what is the matchup specifically between players that you're watching and that you like the most? I love this matchup that you picked, so what, what is it? Well, it, it's Jordy Nelson versus the Atlanta Corners. I mean, Nelson will go all over the formation. Uh, you know, he has size and speed, and he loves to find a matchup that he can exploit And Aaron Rodgers obviously has great faith in him. Their chemistry is off the charts. What will be interesting in this game, he'll see a lot of man coverage, as we just mentioned. But Robert Alford is their best corner. And will Atlanta use Alford to cover him all over the field? Or will it be again, will he just stay on one side of the field? I think that Alford will take the challenge. And I believe that they'll move him with Jordy Nelson all over the field. And then it comes down to how about the uh, back shoulder throw that they're so good at. I believe that uh, Rodgers, you know, if he gets this matchup, he's going to go to Nelson on some back shoulder throws. But it'll be it'll be a very, very good matchup. I don't think they'll double him. I think they think that Alfred can probably handle him. But uh, I just love this matchup in this game. I want to see the free plays. How many free plays does Aaron Rodgers have in this game? Because the guy is the king of the free play, and you saw him score a touchdown once against the Seattle Seahawks. And when, when he gets people to jump off sides, it's, it's, on, it's an art. It's an art what he does as a quarterback. Well, and his stats, I don't have it in front of me, but his stats in the last couple of years on how many times he scored on free plays is off the charts. It's certainly the best in the NFL, but I, I will look it up in the next podcast we do. We'll talk about it. But it's off the charts in terms of how he exploits defenses 
they think the they think the play's over. Yeah, it's uh they shut down a little bit and he continues to go and his offense knows keep rolling and he's definitely he definitely has that play down to an art and it is f- very fun to watch. Uh, not so fun for Chicago Bears fans like myself to watch, but you got to respect who he is as a quarterback. Now, X factor of this game, who is your X factor for these teams? Well, it's Green Bay's defensive lineman Mike Daniels. He embarrassed the the offensive line for Seattle last week. Now, a lot of guys do that, so maybe that's not a big deal. But his inside pressure is really a a factor. Seven tackles, uh, a sack and a half, four quarterback hits, a tackle for loss. And he was just in the secondary all day, and he gave Russell Wilson fits. This guy has a great motor. He goes hard on every play. And I think that if he can get that same penetration versus Atlanta, and now this is a good interior Atlanta offensive line, so it won't be as easy as it was last week. But if you can flush Matt Ryan out of the pocket and force him to throw on the move, uh, he's not the same quarterback. And so I think that inside pressure could be critical in this game. Okay, my favorite part, the fantasy aspect. Who do you like from a fantasy perspective? Obviously, guys like Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers are must-starts on an every-week basis. Is there somebody outside of those two guys that you're watching specifically this week? Well, you know, Jordy Nelson, I think, could, could be big. I think Martellus Bennett is going to be a, a, become a huge weapon uh, for Rodgers. I, I think he just seems to be a guy that, that could really come on. Reggie Cobb, I thought he was a forgotten guy in this offense. All of a sudden, he emerged last week, and he had a good game, so maybe he's back in the picture, but I think it's too early maybe to to declare that. I'm not convinced about their running game right now, Paige, because I don't know what it is. You know, I I don't know how the carriers are going to shake out. I don't know how committed they are to running the football. This certainly, to me, looks like a game of spread offense for Green Bay. Uh, so I, I think you got to, for me, you have to wait on the running game. You know, uh, from Atlanta's standpoint, you know, Julio Jones, you know, he, he's so good. I think he will get his catches. He, they need more from him, and I think they'll concentrate this week in their game plan and going to him. Their backs are both outstanding. I think they'll do a nice job. But again, that's shared production, and I don't know, you know, who really emerges between Freeman and Coleman. And then the two guys that are a little bit of sleepers, but I really like Taylor Gabriel, their little slot guy, and Austin Cooper, their tight end. These are guys capable of producing big plays. I think Ryan has a, a, a lot of faith in them, and so they could be guys that have surprising, uh, you know, I think fantasy uh, production. Yeah, when I look at both of these got both of these teams from a fantasy perspective, I look at Green Bay and I say what is their running game? I need to see Ty Montgomery uh, they keep telling us that they're going to try and make their running game a more focal point, but we all know that Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. So when you have Rodgers who can throw the ball like he does, the running game is never going to be a focal point. So I, I keep waiting for what they say they want to do to happen. So we'll see if that happens a little bit more this week. And from Atlanta's perspective, is Austin Hooper as good as he was last last week? 
He played the Chicago Bears. I always put a clause because their secondary is not very good, and they did not do a very good job containing him or watching him, and he had a couple of very specific, long, explosive plays, which I just don't think are going to happen from a week-to-week basis. But he could prove me wrong. So I'm going to watch Hooper very closely this week to see what is his value as far as a tight end, and and is he going to be a guy that's going to give you in that elite status of tight ends from a week-to-week basis. And I know, I know the coaches do like him, though. They think he's an up-and-comer, but I agree with you. You know, his catches looked I think, maybe off of busted coverages. So he didn't, his production, when you read about it, wasn't probably quite as impressive as when you saw it on film. Yeah, what I saw, what I saw on film was some busted plays from the Chicago Bears that he took advantage of, and I just you can't plan for those on a week-to-week basis. But let's see if he proves me wrong. I'll be paying attention to Austin Hooper this week. Gary, I want to thank you for joining me today. There's a lot to like about what's going on this week for the NFL. Week two, hopefully not as sloppy as week one. And uh, let's see if we can find some NFC contenders uh, between this Green Bay and Atlanta team. But if you want to find Gary's content, he writes about all the matchups. That's on fanregsports.com. Look up Gary Horton. You can find everything he's writing about and all the analysis he's dropping about the NFL. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at the, the underscore sports page. And you can follow Gary at Gary Horton NFL. For Gary Horton, I'm the host, Paige DeMacos. This has been The Scout and the Sports Page.